0: Drop reflecting on the water as the sun shuts her eyes. Don't know why you long copper. Watch the tide rolling with the
1: moonlight. Everything is silent on this wheat of night. You're listening to Missing Magnolias, Scarlet and Michelle here. On past episodes, we've spoken with the family of the missing, and for this episode, we have a different experience. We have the family of Peter Jordan, who was murdered at 19 years old on February 19, 2014 in Huntersville, North Carolina, in broad daylight with potential witnesses. This case seems solvable, and we're here to bring it back to the forefront in hoping and trying to gain awareness and get this case solved. With us today, we have the family of Peter Jordan, we have his siblings, Christine and Tommy, and his niece, Caitlin. Welcome everyone.
2: Morning, thank you for having us.
1: Thank you for having us. Can you just give our listeners a little bit of a sense of what happened? Basically, I was at my
0: friend's house and we were hanging out and I was just scrolling on Facebook. And all of a sudden, I see a picture of Peter and I saw that someone made a comment like, rest in peace, big guy. And I was like super confused. So I immediately went to his Facebook page. And for like the past hour, people were just flooding his Facebook page with rest in peace, Peter, rest in peace. And I'm like, what is going on? So I immediately freak out. And then I call Tommy and I couldn't even get the words out. I basically, all I could tell him was just go look at his Facebook page. So he went to look at his Facebook page, saw what was going on, and then he made a call to Peter's mom.
2: I sort of played it off as one of those Facebook type hoaxes or something to that effect. I said, before I overreact, let me go straight to the source. So I made a phone call to his mother and she answered the phone immediately and quite surprised because it's not like his mother and I would communicate often. And I lived in New York and he lived in North Carolina. So when I called, she answered the phone and she was like, hello. And I was like, hey, Carolyn, how are you? Because I didn't want to make it seem like I was calling for any sort of emergency because I was still trying to play it out and see where this went. And I was like, hey, Carolyn, how are you? She's like, I'm good. You know, just like normal conversation. And in my heart, I'm like, "Okay, so this is BS. Some cruel joke, but I'm still going to North Carolina because I'm going to find the source of this cruel joke and I'm going to handle this cruel joke. And. She had no idea. She hadn't been notified by anybody. She hadn't anything. So I asked if Peter's other brother, Matthew, was home. And she said, sure. And I said, would you mind if I just spoke to him for a second? And she goes, no, absolutely. Hold on. And she handed Matthew the phone. And Matthew got on the phone. And I said, Matt, have you been on Facebook? He said, yeah. And I said, have you seen the things that are posted? He said, yeah. And I said, what's going on with that? And he was like, I I don't know. And I went, well, Matthew, you're there and I'm 500 miles away. I need you to find out. And he said, "Okay, I'll find out and I'll get some uh, searching done and I'll I'll get back with you. And we sort of terminated the call at that point. (sighs) I don't remember the exact time frame, but I'd say within the hour I got a call back from Matthew and he said, it's true. And I said, "So what do you mean it's true? He said, yeah, there was a shooting and somehow Peter was involved. We had no details at this point. He was getting hearsay of people that he was talking to down there and there was really no evidence or any kind of anything that was going on and what what the details were. But at that point, I got this sinking feeling in my heart that something tragic had unfortunately happened.
0: It's crazy because our brother passed away at 6.21 p.m. And now we're talking that we're making phone calls at like 7.30 or so. Mm -hmm. So an hour has gone by. He had his identification on him. He's passed away. Not a single police officer from the Huntersville Police Department called or showed up at his mother's home to inform her. She had to basically find out from family in New York, 800 miles away, seeing it on Facebook. And like, his own mother didn't even know yet. And people are posting it on Facebook. And like, That, to me, is the beginning of where the ball was dropped with this. Well,
2: unfortunately, we didn't know. We we weren't thinking about that detail then. But now, in retrospect, we look back and it was like, this is our, other than the fact that we lost our brother and our uncle and so on and so Mm forth, our major beef here is that just going back, looking at the very beginning, that this wasn't handled properly. And now, however many years later that we're still facing this, It's now coming to light and you start thinking about these things. You start thinking about how these little details right from the beginning didn't mean anything then, but now seem to have such an impact now. About an hour after I spoke to Matthew, he called me back to let me know that they confirmed it. He was at the police station and the police had Peter's identification and his belongings. And it was at that point that it really hit home for me. It was time that I had to start telling people. And the first person I told, my, my wife was actually working that night and she came home from work. I handed her my, I don't remember if it was a phone or a tablet, but I handed her something with the Facebook posts. And my wife looked at me like I was, you're joking, right? Like, this is nonsense. This is BS. And I no, nope. I confirmed it. I checked it. It is what it is. Yeah, it was a bad day. It was a bad evening.
0: We booked flights that and we night. Were, we it were on 630
2: time. in the morning. We were on the plane heading down there still in shock. Yeah. Still hoping that we were going to get there. And it was some sort of joke. Yeah. I was actually planning on how bad I was going to beat his ass for playing this joke.
0: Even upon arriving there, like now Huntersville police department, they had not had a murder case. And I think it was over two years or something like that. So clearly they were not experienced. This is not something they were dealing with on a daily basis And so it was huge down there. I mean, it was on the news 24-7. We had news people following us, approaching us, showing up to my brother's house. Even though like the family had asked for privacy, I don't recall like a police detail being outside knowing that the people who just killed our brother out there, like the detective stood in the kitchen in front of all my brother's friends and us and was like, we got this, we're gonna solve this.
2: That was Detective Lesser. That was Tim Lesser. And I'd like to take a second to give credit where credit is due. I think that Tim, Detective Lesser, has it in his heart that he wants to get this done. And I truly believe that he does. Even from the first day, he was very supportive and he always answers my phone calls and always answers my texts and... When we're down there for the anniversary, he takes the time to meet with us. I do believe in his heart that he wants to get this done. I, I don't doubt him in that sense. I just, unfortunately, I doubt at this point the capabilities of the Huntersville Police Department and what they can accomplish. And I think this is above and beyond what they're capable of handling. And the unfortunate part is it was like Christine was saying, it was very current news when it happened. Every year on the anniversary, the news does show up. Peter's friends, they organized a walk and a memorial, and they release balloons and things of that nature in a park. And the news people are always there to cover that. In the beginning, it was good news. Every year, it's current and it's on the news. But then the day after, it just disappears and it's not mentioned again. We're trying to get this case escalated. I want it to go to the state level, and if not the state level, the federal level. I see things on the news where actors get killed and it's like, it's major news worldwide and the FBI is involved and this, that, and the other. Well, my brother wasn't a famous actor, but he was still murdered. What makes him different than anybody else? The only thing that we can do is we can keep it current because we're not a wealthy family. We don't know many people. We're not rich. We're not famous. But We still deserve the justice and the closure that everybody else, whether they're famous, wealthy, important, out there in the news or whatever the case may be, we deserve the same thing. Our brother deserves the same thing. I'm not a big religious person, but I truly believe that my brother is not resting in peace because his case is unsolved. And I believe that he will truly be resting in peace once this is taken care of and once it's done. And that's what we're here for today we're here to bring awareness we want people to keep this in their mind we want anybody who's listening if you have heard anything my sister and i are both on social media reach out to us you will remain 100 percent
0: anonymous
2: i will do everything i can to keep you safe i will mention no names I will get the right information to the proper people. You will be taken care of. Whatever you can do, please, no matter how small you think the detail is, it may mean the world. You think it means nothing, say it because you never know. It might be BS. It might be nonsense what you know, but it may not be. It may be something very important and we need you to come forward. We implore you to come forward.
1: I'm so sorry, again, that you had to find out in this way. I I can't imagine a a worse way. And I just want to highlight some. You said so many important things and just how this case was handled. And it sounds cliche, but it really sounds like this is a case where someone knows something. Oh, totally. 100%. For people that maybe aren't aware. So Peter was at an apartment complex visiting his friends. And he was outside the apartment complex around 6 p.m. and it was still light out. We know that there was maybe three people in the vehicle that gunned him down. So do we know if people were interviewed sufficiently? Can you speak to maybe that aspect of the case and how these witnesses were interviewed?
2: So the story in the background that we got behind this is that The people that were there that did this were not necessarily there for my brother. They were there for the person who lived in the apartment. I'm not going to mention her name. She knows who she is. People who are close to the story know who she is. She's the biggest problem. I'll just leave it at that. The story behind it is, is that there was some sort of issue between her and somebody else. And that somebody else sent these people to pay a visit to her. Whether the intention was to shoot her or just intimidate her or just have a conversation or whatever the case would be, is still unclear. The problem is, is that what they didn't plan on is they didn't plan on having to run into my brother. Now, my brother, even for his age, was a big guy. We grow them big in my family and I'm six, proud six. of him. He's also a natural born protector, just like me. And he was outside. He was on the phone with his girlfriend. He was smoking a cigarette. As he's on the phone, he sees the three people approaching and immediately what I call spidey senses. His spidey senses acted up and he knew there was something wrong. So he hung up the phone with Haley and put the phone down and stood up to these guys and said, what are you doing? There was a commotion outside as he tried to fight off these three people. The people inside the apartment heard the commotion and the girl whose apartment it was opened up the door to see what the issue was. And the reports are that Peter turned around, was blocking, barricading the door. Peter turned around, told her, close the door, go back inside. I'll handle this. She closed the door.
0: She saw who it was. She saw who it was. She told her, close the door. She closed the door. Not sooner did the door close, the people inside heard the gunshots go off.
2: Right. And then Tyler, who, again, I want to give credit. Tyler, when he heard the gunshots, he notified everybody in the house, get down, get down, get down. And he was the one that was brave enough to open the door. When he opened the door, he found Peter laying on the floor. And at that point, called 911 and tried to administer CPR until rescue got there to, unfortunately, to what they found. Tyler, you always have a good spot in my heart. I love you forever. I appreciate all your help and everything that you did. Now, at that point, when the girl opened the door that was when she saw who was outside now for whatever reason whether she was afraid or what have you she was one of the first people that were interviewed and at that point she gave false names uh, it wasn't that guy it was somebody else kind of scenario but she didn't see she just no it wasn't him it was somebody else but i don't know who it was So that was immediately just took the train off the tracks and went in an opposite direction to where they needed to be.
0: And then she changed her story and tried to go back and tried to do the quote unquote right thing. But once you lie, that's it.
2: The district attorney for Mecklenburg County then notified the detectives department that Anything she says or does can no longer be used in a court of law for anything or any reason because she is, quote unquote, uncredible for changing her story. And so essentially there were two witnesses to the whole thing. One of them, Peter, and the other one, this girl. And now we have technically no witnesses. One thing I just want to loop back around to. Unfortunately at 621 on a February evening, it is dark outside. It's not light out anymore. It's still winter time and daylight savings still and all high that stuff. Time. But that's the point I was trying to make. 621, people are coming home from work, people are walking their dogs, Talking people are throwing the garbage, et cetera, et cetera. I think this is a good time to also mention that the reports are that we're looking for a 1994 to a 1996 black or a dark-colored Chevrolet Impala. As part of my career, I worked for Chevrolet for a long time. In 94 to 96, the Impala only came out in three colors. It was black, burgundy, or green. We know it wasn't green. It was a dark color. It was either a black cherry burgundy or a black color, but that was the report that it was a 1994 to 1996 black Chevy Impala SS. That's the vehicle in question that we are looking for, we are searching for, because the driver allegedly never got out of the car. Three people got out and approached the patio, did what they did, and the car left with four people in it.
0: And then, to talk about the whole witness thing and the plot at the complex, we then, years later, had someone, I guess, who was involved or at the complex say, oh, it wasn't even an Impala, it was this kind of car. Why do you know that? Did you see something? Are you covering up? Did you hear speculation? So it was a whole lot of he said, she said that muddied the waters around this whole case from the beginning, and it's still continuing to happen. I mean, information that was crucial to the case that should not have been leaked was leaked. This was information that if an individual knew this piece of information, It's because they were there or they know exactly what happened and who did it. So the fact that the Huntersville Police Department could make such a horrible mistake as to let that information out, to me, I don't think that that's acceptable.
2: I've even gotten reports that it was a white van. I mean, you can't even go any more opposite than a black Chevy Impala to a white van. It's, it's terrible and it's, it's unfortunate the way that this whole thing has been handled from the beginning. And I think that just has to go with experience and resources for the department. It's sad for me to say it, and I hope it's not misconstrued in any way, because at the end of the day, I want justice and I want closure for this. What I want right now is I want a department that can handle this situation. This is what I'm fighting for right now. Justice and closure is the goal, but what we're fighting for right now is to get the folders and the files and the witnesses and the. we want the case opened. We want to hand it over to a department that we feel has the resources and the experience that can handle this situation and fresh eyes look at it. And I'm no detective, but I'm hoping that a detective somewhere can read something or see something and go, oh, what about this? What about this detail? And then that's the detail that makes this case and gets it the issue or the key factor in getting this solved. That's what we're hoping for. That's what we're praying for. That's what we pray for every day.
3: Can you tell us a little bit about the community? Is this a small town where everybody knows each other? What's the police force size? Just to get a little bit of context about what the community's
2: like. So it definitely has grown through the past eight years. It was a very small community. Very upper class. Very, I wouldn't say wealthy or well off, but it was a very nice neighborhood. Very upper class neighborhood. That's what took Peter's mother there. Peter's mother had a, a sister at the time that moved down there for business with her husband, and raved about the community. And Peter's mother built a house down there, tried to build a life. The area in New York where they're from, Yonkers, is not the greatest of areas, not the most terrible of areas either, but to get them out of the bad area and take them to somewhere where she felt that they would have a very good upbringing and be safe and et cetera, et cetera. The neighborhood was very nice. As far as the size of the police department goes, I've been there. I've been to the police department. I've seen what they have going on there. They're not gigantic. They're not a, a major city. They're not a major NYPD kind of department. I would say their department is maybe less than 75, 50 people as far as officers, detectives, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know the exact amount, but they are very small. And that's why I think that they don't have the resources or the experience in handling this type of case. I'm friends with them and I follow them on their Huntersville Facebook page. They are very active in the community. They do a lot of charity stuff. They do a lot of traffic stops and things of that nature. So I think with that stuff, they're good. But any kind of major crimes, not so much. And the chief of police at the time, who was the chief when it happened, is no longer the chief. He retired or something, I believe. And the new chief, as he was coming in, really focused and highlighted this case and said that his priority when he got into being a chief, He was gonna do everything in his power to get this case solved. He really was gung ho and really all out. And once he became chief, his enthusiasm about the case sort of disappeared. And then he suddenly just drastically left. And we don't know why. The unfortunate part is that my heart tells me that he saw something or he heard something or read something in that file that he believes is detrimental to that department. I'm not saying that they purposely covered something up. I'm saying that they may have misstepped and may have done something that shouldn't have been done. And now they know that there's nothing they can do about it. And the results are we don't have justice. We don't have closure.
0: I want to interject really quickly when you were talking about the town. So Peter did not actually live in Huntersville. He lived in Cornelius, but the neighborhood's were very similar in demographic and like how they were.
2: Cornelius was more residential, Huntersville is like the city. It's where the the shopping malls are and things of that nature, so they that's where all the kids Parking his age,
0: complexes rather right. than the, houses. the
2: hangout spots, the go-tos, the movie theaters, the et cetera, et cetera. That's what's in Huntersville. And that's right. what the draw to Huntersville is over Cornelius. Cornelius is very residential. So there's not much to do. If you were hanging out or meeting up with friends, you were leaving Cornelius and going to Huntersville because it was the closest yeah. town, city, whatever.
1: It's even more frustrating than uh, we've covered other cases where it's a small town town. And this murder happens and we can't really fathom why police would not want to bring in outside people with more resources.
2: Totally. I mean, if you know you need help, ask for help. That's what I don't get. One of the last correspondence that I have with the Huntersville Police Department is I'll reach out and I would say, Hey, you know, any new news, any kind of information, anything that you want to share. The overall attitude is we're just sitting back and waiting for something to come forward. We're waiting for someone to come forward. We're waiting. They're basically waiting for that golden ticket. They want to do a traffic stop and pull a car over and find a gun in the trunk and then do ballistics on it and find that that was the gun that was They're They're waiting for something to just fall into their laps. And that's not acceptable for us. That's not acceptable for us. We, if, if you're only dealing with one murder, well then why aren't the detectives really focusing on this one murder? If you told me you had to deal with 20 murders, then I would get it. You know, I would kind of almost accept it, but You're not. You're dealing with one. We're talking about one murder. And I get it. They probably have other crimes, gun crimes, et cetera, et cetera, that they need their detective force for. Totally. I'm not taking anything away from that.
1: And apart from that, these people that are involved are still potentially in the area, in this community.
2: Mm -hmm. There are actually a ton of Peter's friends and people that were even involved and that were there that night that don't even live in the area anymore. They moved away just to get away from things that are happening there
3: i'm just thinking about how difficult an investigation like this is and i I really sympathize with you guys in that way you've got a case with witnesses but what we know about humans is we're really terrible at remembering details especially during traumatic situations so that muddies the water And then we want as many tips as we can get, right? Everybody does, but also that can overload police. It can send them in different directions. So that further complicates things. You have a smaller police department, perhaps without the resources that a larger agency would have, or perhaps they don't have the training to know what to do immediately. And so, unfortunately, it's like a lot of potential information could be lost. I know ring cameras are really popular now. They but they truly existed then. All of that's gone. So it's oh, yeah, like exactly that's what I'm saying. Like how did this car
0: pulled out of the complex and turned onto the main street? And there's not one camera anywhere on that street. Any of those businesses, nobody had a house camera. Why wasn't cameras checked? That footage isn't there now. That's long
2: gone.
0: Oh, yeah. But why wasn't it checked? Why well, wasn't
2: it looked at? We don't even know for a fact if it was or wasn't.
0: No, because you know, if it was, then they would know exactly the car. They would know the license plate.
2: We certainly hope that those avenues were explored, but...
0: Well, I don't feel they
2: were. The unfortunate part is, is we don't know. We don't know because we feel that at the end of the day, if all avenues were explored, we feel this would be solved. I have friends in New York that are in law enforcement, and I turned to them for some advice on what to do and how to handle the situation. And they told me that I should try calling the state investigations department. And when I did, their answer to me was Mecklenburg County is their own entity. They're responsible for their county. And I actually got into a huge argument with the person over the phone because Like I said before, I'm not a detective. I don't know how these things work. I don't know the politics behind it, but I just couldn't swallow the fact that a crime happened in your state. You're the state investigations department and the state investigations department can't investigate a problem that happened in their state. I can't get past that. And your answer to me is that you can't get involved because Mecklenburg County is in the state of North Carolina, but they can't get involved because Mecklenburg County is their own entity and they have their own department. Well, that doesn't sit well with me. because Their
0: department isn't doing what their, they need to do. Their
2: department is in your state. And don't you overrule? Isn't the state above and beyond the town or the village or the city or whatever that you can call Huntersville? Doesn't the state overrule that? Can't the state get involved? I'm having a hard time getting over that. My brain doesn't. I'm not a detective. I'm not in law enforcement. But just doesn't sound right to me. And I don't understand. And that's the end game for us. Huntersville needs help. The end goal is to get the justice and the closure that we deserve.
1: We've talked a lot about what happened, but can we kind of give our listeners a sense of Peter? Um, What were his hobbies? Do you have any stories? Like, I, I get the sense that you mentioned that he was a protector. He had a lot of friends. He certainly made an impact.
0: He was an artist. He was very comical, quite, quite comical. You could be having the worst day, and he would just have something to say, and you'd be in stitches. There's a large age difference between us siblings, so between me and Tommy, there's actually 15 years difference, and between Tommy and Peter, there was actually 22 years difference. So Peter was four years old when he became an uncle to Caitlin, and... So he was always a nurturer and it, well, maybe <laughs> he was a little jealous that he wasn't the baby anymore, but always a nurturer, very loving, very kind, would give you the shirt off of his back. He was musically talented. He was very, very smart. I remember him being like five years old and he was reading Harry Potter books. He actually, when he was here in New York, he was in a gifted children's program For advanced kids, I kind of think that when he moved down south to fit in and to make friends, he kind of leaned towards the like music thing and like the rap music if you listen to the rap music and stuff like that, like, you know what it talks about, you know, the lifestyles it talks about. And I think he kind of got into the wrong crowd. Cause it was easy for him to be like, I'm from Yonkers. I'm from D block. Like I'm from New York. And like, be this tough guy. And they're like, oh, he's from New York. Oh, he's from right around the corner where these guys grew up. And I kind of think that's the route he took. And I don't think it was in hindsight the best route for him to take, but he was an 11-year-old, 12-year-old kid just trying to fit in because he was just taken from his friends and family here. And he just wanted to start over and have friends as any child would. But every single person, I mean, when I tell you at his wake, the amount of people that were there, I mean, the procession was miles long and I'm not exaggerating. So many people loved him, adored him, said nothing but good things about him. I know that he was a lover and he had a big heart and that that's why he did what he did that night to try to protect the people that he cared about that were in that apartment. One of the bullets actually went through the door and hit the wall inside the apartment So had he not told them all to get inside and get down and whatever and made them aware of the situation, very easily someone sitting on that couch could have also lost their life. Or if he wasn't outside, they could have went in and it could have been three children, three families burying their children that night. Unfortunately, it was our family, but I believe that he did what he could in that moment to protect his
1: friends And I also want to mention that Christine has her own podcast for our listeners and you're on Apple and Spotify and wherever else you get your podcast, correct?
0: Yes. Yep. And you can find me on Instagram too at manifestingmamaRI and in my bio is my link tree to my podcast as well.
1: You mentioned on your podcast, the significance of numbers on reflecting your spiritual bond with your brother. Can you explain and what advice you have for other families in keeping hope alive? So I just wanted to touch a little bit because I know I mentioned that my brother sends me
0: signs and most of the time they are through numbers and the number for my brother that always comes through is 219. Um, He passed away on February 19th. I don't believe in coincidence and it's just uncanny how he will come through and show me and with my spiritual work and really being in alignment and manifesting and setting intentions to receive signs and messages from my spirit guides my angels my loved ones it's really been comforting to receive them and with doing this work it's made it um, a lot easier for me and a lot more frequent and do talk about it and share um, a lot about it on my podcast as well if anyone is interested because like I said I do find it very healing if you're someone who has suffered loss, especially tragic loss, such as due to a murder or a crime, and you are interested in learning more about it or diving deeper into it, reach out to me, and I'm happy to help.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that. So for now, our listeners that want to get involved or maybe people that knew Peter want to share information, you mentioned that there's a new mayor of Huntersville, and her name is Melinda Bales, yeah and her email address
0: if anybody would like to reach out to her and write a letter and just keep peter fresh in their minds her email address is m bales that's b a l e s at huntersville.org again that's m bales at huntersville.org
2: One of the things that we're asking is we're asking that anybody who can take 30 seconds, drop an email, even if it's just something simple as justice for Peter, or if you want to take the time to write an extended email, whatever you want, please just send it to her. I don't want this case to leave her mind. I want her reminded every day the same way we're reminded. I want her reminded every day. And if you can take the time 30 seconds out of your day, just write a quick email, drop a quick note. Hey, Miss Bales, Mayor Bales, don't forget about Peter. Peter deserves justice. Peter, this, whatever you want to do, just keep her current. Just keep her up to date. And I think this is probably the right time for me to mention that Mayor Bales has reached out to me. She has agreed to meet with us. She has agreed to sit down and spend some time with us. And we are certainly <coughs> appreciative of that.
1: So, again, I just want to remind our listeners, for anyone with information, you can write a letter and you can also reach out to this anonymous tip line, justiceforpeterjordan at gmail.com, and we'll provide that as well.
2: Of course, I want to extend my thank yous to you guys. Thank you very much for taking the time with us. To all the families out there that are going through the same situation we are. We are sorry for your loss. Yes. We know what it is. We feel it every day. And if there's anybody out there that ever needs to grieve, talk, chat, vent, vent,
0: yell, scream, cry,
2: reach out to us. We know where you're coming from. We know, unfortunately, what you're going through. And if you ever need anything, if you ever need any help, you ever want to talk, you ever want to vent, you want to share some advice. You want to share things that you've done to try to help cope yourself, your family. If ever you need anything, please reach out to us. We are very sorry for your losses. We feel your pain on a daily basis. It's important for us to bring justice to our family. It's important to us to bring closure to our family. But for me, as I was saying about Peter and the big protectors that we are, I would love to help bring closure to anybody and any family that is going through any of this, any kind of comfort, any kind of help, anything that we can do, that would bring any kind of help to you guys. We're always here for you because we may not know each other, but we're part of the same club, unfortunately. And thank you to you guys again. We really, we really appreciate it. You guys have been
0: amazing, Michelle and Scarlett. I can't thank you enough.
1: You guys are New York tough, so it'll hopefully rub off. You got that right, sister. New York strong, (laughs) baby. We're not
2: going anywhere. You can think we're going to give up, but we're not going anywhere.
1: Never, never, never. Thank you so much, everyone. And, We are truly honored that of all the platforms you could have chosen to go with your story, we're so honored and and we hope that we can help and do our part. I think I'm going to take a page from Christine since we're a true crime podcast. It's nice to have some positivity and we're going to close with go and love and light. So thank you everyone.
2: And thank you to you guys again. We really, we really appreciate it. You guys have
1: been amazing, Michelle and Scarlett.